Welcome to the Intentional Growth Podcast, the show that teaches you how to grow the value of a company with an end in mind. Host Ryan Tansom interviews top business leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and other professionals who share their experience and expertise about buying, growing, and selling companies. Thanks for tuning back in. Today is episode 207 of the Intentional Growth Podcast, and I'm excited to introduce my guest, Arman Asadi, a friend from one of my CEO peer groups called YC, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Project Evo, where he helps leaders and owners find their flow. And today, Arman's gonna be sharing with us how to intentionally get into the state of flow. In positive psychology, the flow state is known as being in the zone. It's the mental state in which a person performing an activity is fully immersed in a feeling of being energized and having insane focus full involvement and enjoying the process of the activity so much so that time dissipates and actually disappears. Armand's experience is perfect to lend itself to this topic because he started his career working at 3M in New York City before being recruited to Google and working at Google's headquarters. And after the first year, Armand hit a wall at Google knowing that he ultimately wanted to be an entrepreneur. So he went on to found Project Evo, which is now a multi-million dollar company that creates tools to help people find fulfillment and tap into their flow and their personal and professional lives by assessing their brain type and customizing a planner that enables you to intentionally tap into that flow. I'm really excited to share this episode because I have an obsession with psychology and this concept of flow I've been diving into for years. I believe truly at the bottom of my heart that owning and running a business is an amazing environment to enable an owner and entrepreneur to tap into this state of flow, whether you know it or not. This can make the experience amazing and addicting. Literally last week, Jack Stack said that he would wake up and he the first thing he does is check the numbers to see how well he's doing and he's addicted to running this business and for constant growth. However, this can be a major issue and have major consequences if it's not fully understood. If your business right now is facilitating your state of flow and you're unaware of that and you randomly decide to sell, you have a huge potential of regretting it and maybe shouldn't sell. Or if you find yourself just going, going, going and you're tapping that flow and all of a sudden you're burnt out because you can't find that energy anymore, you might decide to sell it to get out as fast as possible, but you're leaving tons of value and tons of options on the table because you wanted to get back into that feeling as fast as possible and get out of your current anxiety. And what's important is that Armand is going to clearly explain the, the connection between achieving this optimal state of flow and how becoming aware of it is one of the most important things any owner can do. Because in order to optimize for the experience and be able to have a healthy relationship with your business and roll out the business, you need to be able to understand how you find your specific flow and how your business fits into that equation. Being aware is the first step to being intentional and this is really where the whole five principles came from and this is why the first principle is your drivers what do you want and why and then how do you engineer your business and your life around that check out the intentional growth digital course if you haven't you can go to the arcona.io website after going through the course and learning how this all works the ability to articulate what you want and why is pretty crazy. So here would be an example is we've had people that have gone through the course and said, you know what, I don't want to sell anymore because right now I have 1.2 in EBITDA. If I sold it, it's only worth five and a half million bucks. I'd have to pay taxes. I'd have to fire a bunch of my employees to maximize my purchase price to sell it to a third party strategic that wouldn't carry on my legacy. And I still want to have some involvement. So therefore, I'm going to grow my EBITDA from 1.2 to 2 million to grow my valuation from 5.5 to 12 so I can net $8 million, sell it to an ESOP in three years so I can have involvement over the rest of my life because I enjoy this, but I wanna slowly transition my role. That's called being intentional. Someone else might say, I don't want any involvement, I'm burnt out, but if I grow it for another 12 months, I can double the value of my company, sell to a strategic, because I want completely out of my role and my ownership. It's about knowing what you want and why and how to connect all the dots. That is the most important part. I hope out of this interview with Armand that you can start racking your brain. How do you identify your state of flow and how do you identify the ways that you can intentionally engineer your ideal life? Sponsored by Arcona's Intentional Growth Digital Course. 
Ryan Tansom and Pat Hobby show you how to shift your mindset away from solving for annual income to focusing on strategies that create long-term value, giving you the freedom and choices to take control of the future destiny of your business. Accelerate your knowledge with 36 videos and dozens of exercises that combine decades of experience buying, growing, and selling companies. Learn more by going to arcona.io or visiting the show notes. Armand, how are we doing, man? What's up, my brother? So I'm excited. Uh, I was on your show yesterday. Well, recorded on your show yesterday. And uh, I I will almost kick it off like you did, too. We were sitting on a chairlift (laughs) and uh Entrepreneur, the entrepreneur retreat uh, up in the mountains of Utah and at Powder Mountain. There is work that is done there, as we can prove to everybody. <laughs> yes, there and, is definitely uh, work. <laughs> you know, I think what was so fun, and this is why I love those kind of trips and being surrounded by other entrepreneurs, is literally we were sitting there on the chairlift in what, like within eight minutes, it was like we got so deep into what we both love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you are uh, in the, like in the thick of it with the the word flow, and we started talking about what you were doing with Project Evo and your business and creating an optimal life for entrepreneurs, and mm-hmm. just it was awesome. And we got oh, to, yeah. to then talking about some of these books that I get to that I geek out on sometimes outside of the show on optimizing your mind and you know your life as an individual. And I'm excited for this because. A lot of entrepreneurs have the ability to create the optimal life and build the business around the life that they want. Once they create a valuable business, as you and I talked yesterday, like you have the more freedom to do what you want into it. And understanding the topics we're going to dive into today, I think mm-hmm. will help them be more intentional of identifying what is the things that they want to explore. So mm-hmm. why don't you, before we get into the thing, let's, what's your background? Kind of explain to how... You got to where you are today, even to the podcast and the project, mm-hmm. you've, even the assessment that you've created. But how did you get there and what are some of the milestones? Oh, boy. Well, thanks <laughs> for having me, bro. Um, I haven't been on the other side of the table in a while. So this is nice. I get to, <laughs> I'm along for the ride. I'm a kid from Sacktown, Sacramento, California. And God, man, I mean, growing up there, it was funny. I hated it when I was growing up there. But in hindsight, it's such an amazing place because it's not the most exciting place in the world at all. There's not a lot to do. And that was the main complaint as a kid. But the diversity in social, economic status, race, income, uh, mental capacity, desire for success was so varied. And so I got all these examples of some people who were just sitting on their ass doing nothing and others who really wanted to do something and break out of it. It was one of those cities that you have to break out of to go become something. You generally aren't trying to to be the biggest fish there. And if you are, that's cool, but I'd set my sights higher. And so here I am like just, you know, going to a public school. I wouldn't call it the hood, but it's the hood compared to a lot of other cities and a lot of other schools. Uh, It's rough. And so it was a world-class education in that sense. And one of the things I learned early on was like playground rules, you know, like how to get out there and just become somebody and make something of yourself and not get bullied uh, and knocked down by people that are bigger than you, smarter than you, faster than you. So everything became pretty competitive. I wanted to be the most athletic. I wanted to be the strongest. And you kind of have to because like, I don't know, some kid might pull a knife like at school. Like it wasn't unheard of at all. Or you just get knocked out, especially as a boy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like I got into fights all the time and... I didn't shy away from it either. Like it was one of those things that just started to become part of my identity. And I had to, I had to just learn how to, how to get somewhere. And I'd say another milestone of my life was just family stuff in general. Wasn't easy for me. I grew up in a pretty, um, broken household. I didn't, I have an amazing mom and dad. They're both awesome people in their own right, but just weren't for each other. And so it was a really, really, really painful, uh, bad, ugly divorce. I was eight. 
And, you know, that just kind of led to lived with my mom, saw my dad on the weekends and just had to learn how to become independent, become a man very quickly. I will say though, like I was the kid that if the adults were having a conversation, like before all this, even I had like, they'd be like, go to bed, go away. And I just couldn't, I, I wanted to be part of the adult conversation. Totally. I, I <laughs> loved the, like, why are they arguing about politics? You know, like, what is it that they don't want me to know? Like, why am I not at the table? What makes them so much better or different? Like, why am I not capable of being at the table? So, you know, it's funny when you do these things sometimes, like the way for me, I speak to discover what I know oftentimes. And I got that from a quote by Flannery O'Connor, who says, I write to discover what I know, which is also what I do. I journal, I write creative writing to discover what I know, because this is a real time process I'm going through (laughs) to understand my own psyche. So anyway, so there I am like trying to get involved. And I think it's because I, I, again, wanted to have an insatiable curiosity to understand big picture stuff. Like we've talked about. This is why you and I were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was there. And then it was like, we'll become a man. So I skipped a lot of childhood stuff, a lot of it. And I just started working. Like by eight, nine years old, I was like hustling to just do odd jobs in the neighborhood, making cash. By 12, 13, you know, I, I think by third, by 13, I was working at a snack bar under the table. By 14, I got a work permit one year early before you're allowed to in California, which is normally 15 and working at a skating rink. And then this just evolved into every job under the sun, a lot of sales, by the way. So we have this in common too. I mean, I did everything from making juices at Jamba Juice to being a mortgage consultant to I did business to business door-to-door sales, selling AT&T business phone lines Ooh, in yes. Sacramento. <laughs> so imagine the adult version of the, of the, of the playground. Fuck. <laughs> I sold cars for a summer. No copiers though. No copiers, man. <laughs> you saved yourself. Almost sold then. vacuums. Almost the, sold the vacuums. Kirby's, I got one of those. Out of pure respect for the sales guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, you respect the hustle. So I did it all, man. And then I kind of just, everything in my life has been about this ladder. And I thought I was supposed to climb it. So every job and every step I've taken, it's definitely been a very linear growth. I'm not one of those people that does, I mean, it's crazy shit to some people, but in my mind, it's very sequential, very linear. And I make my decisions thoughtfully. And I move to the next step based on the knowledge and the information and the experience that I've had. And I feel ready for the next step. So it's always been this ascension. So then what happened? Like I was like, well, let's climb the ladder of work. And that was like, okay, I'm working at Nordstrom, making good money, like selling suits as a college student. Like this is dope. <laughs> it truly did sell a uh, lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff, shoes, you know, everything. Worked at AT&T, a singular wireless during the launch of the iPhone. Like the original OG iPhone. That was crazy. That was crazy. And then that eventually led to going to SDSU for school, which was a big dream of mine. And then something really started to switch because I wasn't an academic kid. I was smart, but I had a lot of limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. and a lot of things that indicated that I wasn't smart in the traditional sense. And so then I never identified as being smart. I identified as like, yeah, you know, above average. And, but I hated the system and I didn't like authority and I preferred to, you know, like find the way around things. That was like my way of being smart. I thought. So with everything, like I, it was more enjoyable to me to study for an assessment. I mean, assessment, I'm in the assessment world now to study for a test (laughs) in the, in, in like, dude, there were, there have been so many times in my life that I was in the library or walking to the classroom or in the fucking bathroom before the test or the quiz studying the five minutes before. And guess what? I was always around like the 80th, 90th percentile, you know? 
So I was like, that's cool. Like, okay, that's what school is. It works. Yeah. I use my time to go work and make money and learn and do all these other things and have fun and school is school. So anyway, I'm giving you a a really in-depth version here, but that eventually led to getting this amazing job after college at 3M. Good old Minnesota mining and manufacturing. <laughs> Which is like how we ended up meeting when we talked about 3M. I'm like, you know, Chris Yonker, he's been on my show. He also worked at 3M right by me. He's like, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. Of course. Was like, like, Why one out of 50,000 employees. <laughs> you name yeah, one employee. Yeah. And within three minutes on a chairlift, we did, made all those dots. <laughs> Insane. So Chris Yonker, he's the man. Learned a lot from him. He does it really well. I didn't do it very well. I did it well in the sense that I'm really good with people. I'm good at sales. You put me in the room. I can close. I can make things happen. I present things properly. I know my shit, but I'm just not someone who can work the system of being a corporate employee. As soon as the bullshit comes up, I'm like, ah, I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't bullshit myself. <laughs> and I bullshitted myself for a couple of years there. And then I went to Google. And I bullshitted myself for a couple of years there too. In the beginning, that was really cool because it was all about the learning, all about the people, all about the experience, all about the high of finally being at Google. And at that time, it truly was the best company in the world, like every single year, mm-hmm. you know, consistently being ranked. You know? And at that time, it was also really hard to get in. I was, I was around Stanford, Harvard grads. Like Everyone was way more experienced than me. And that taught me a lot. But then I just hit a wall, man. I hit a wall where it was like, I can't keep bullshitting. I know I want to be an entrepreneur. And uh, I, hit, I hit a wall in my department and with my manager, and we just could not see eye to eye at all. My presence and who I am and who you see today was a threat to her. And she hated it. She just couldn't tolerate it. She was like, I just want an employee to do their fucking job. And so she wanted to, 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 she didn't like me. So then I tried to transfer and all these other things. And honestly, I just got to a point where I was like, why don't I just leave? Why don't I just leave and go become what I call a solopreneur? And that was eight years ago. And I've been on my own ever since. And I've done all kinds of things since then. I mean, that's a whole other thing we could talk about, but I've done so many different types of projects as an entrepreneur, solopreneur, from consulting to copywriting, to creating information products and courses, to software to uh, working with amazing people that have probably been, you know, type of people on your show um, to then eventually three and a half-ish years ago, starting a company called Project Evo and wanting to solve a lot of the problems that I've gone through as an entrepreneur and also as an employee, mainly around this idea of fulfillment and flow and knowing who you really are because that pain that I went through in school and that pain that I went through in the workplace of not fitting right and feeling like this environment doesn't bring out the best of me was hell. Like there was a point of depression when I was at Google actually, like toward the end, it was awful. So I was like, I gotta help people with this. And, and this, is what, this is what it's about for me right now in this chapter. So, and I think what, what really saw, synced up for us when we were chatting, and I want to kind of, I'll put a couple of pins out there or pinpoints and we can dive into different ones is, is this word, this terminology flow, people have heard me talk about it on and off on the show, but I think we can dive further into it. And then this uh, fulfillment. And so a couple of things, Armand, as we dive into this, one is that like, I think entrepreneurs and just as a business owner, so many people get into it because they just like with you or with me, there's a problem in the marketplace. You jump into it to solve the problem because you're creative, you're a hustler, you're an engineer, you're somehow, you're whatever the driving force is mm-hmm. and you can't handle authority, whatever it is. But those those things and those passions and whys, the why becomes this driving force. Then you have to build this business, right? And hopefully have it yeah. be sustainable too. But as a lot of entrepreneurs that I have gotten, you know, gotten to know, you evolve as an individual over time, your business might not evolve with you. And that's where yes. this whole EOS visionary versus integrator. And like, so there's this whole challenge of, you know, wanting to be in flow. So there's a challenge when you sell your business to not be able to create that. You and I talked about that on your show and we can dive, dive further into that. So how do you identify what this is and how do you identify where your flow is? And then mm-hmm. another question I would have that I'd love to dive into is as you evolve as a business owner, 
and you want to continue to challenge yourself and continue to create that flow, your business not might, might not follow you as well. So I think there's a challenge a lot of entrepreneurs have where they create this cage around them, this machine that they don't want to be a part of anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've heard countless stories of like, I've, I woke up and I felt like I had a noose around my neck, so I had to sell. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, mm-hmm. you want to try and avoid that. And so if we can, you know, through this conversation, help identify what does that look like? How do you identify what your strengths, weaknesses, your fulfillment is before you pull the damn ripcord and sell the cash flow machine that you own? (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Okay. So flow and how to avoid the noose moment. Um, Look, flow is can be described in a lot of ways. And as we know, our boy, uh, the great Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, is the one who really popularized this. And this is essentially positive psychology, which is also a modern take on psychology. And, you know, psychology goes back to psychoanalysis and Freud and looking at people like Jung, Carl, Carl Gustav Jung, um, who was a student of Freud's. And there were things that people, especially in the world of psychology, cognitive psychology, they loved and enjoyed about the work of Freud and Jung. And there's a great saying out there that the work of Freud is so integrated in society without us even realizing it, that all that's left are the mistakes. And so we often hear about Freud this and Freud that, and he fucked up this, and he's talking about this and that. It doesn't make sense today. But the rest of it, 90 plus percent of it, is how we operate our lives, especially around things like how, who we become and where our emotions come from. And then there's arguments about do our thoughts drive our emotions or do our mm-hmm. emotions drive our thoughts? And this is where Martin Seligman and Mihai and people like that come in and they have their own you know, yep. Yep. <laughs> step on top of this that they're providing. But look, for me... Flow is the optimal state of being. Flow is about supreme presence. And where I come in, my work, and again, here's me in the moment, where I'm adding to this conversation and hoping to really make a dent is that flow is personalized. The experience of getting into flow, as we know, there are different activities for different people, of course. One person goes skydiving, another person goes fly fishing, another person writes, another person speaks, another person plays basketball. These are all activities that can get a person into flow. And we've all experienced it. It's a state of timelessness. It feels effortless, even though it's challenging. As you said yesterday, you described it as, you know, it has the right amount of challenge to it. Because look, you know, an example I sometimes make is like, let's say you've never really played tennis. When you go play tennis, if you play against someone who's really badass, who just destroys you, how do you feel? (laughs) Miserable and anxiety. Yeah. And like, you might have one of these comments come out like, yeah, yeah, I'm over this. Like you're bored, (laughs) right? You become kind of like over it and bored and you just, you, you, you can't handle it. The challenge is too great. And the same thing applies if you're playing against somebody who doesn't quite doesn't quite match, right? And so the ba- it's all about finding that balance where Mihai talks about it being 2% more, 2% more challenging than what you're used to. And when you find that sweet spot, you're in a mode of growth. And another important factor of flow is that there's feedback, feedback from the experience, and you're able to understand and measure how you're performing. And if you have that moment where you lock into an activity that you enjoy, you're getting the feedback. And all of a sudden, you know, from the element of neuroscience, the part of your brain that does the thinking, the prefrontal cortex just sort of dissipates and goes into the background and shuts down. It's like a high. Yeah, it's like a high. And when they look at, you know, I mean, a lot of people have heard the example, I'll use the examples that are popularized because then Oh, connect the dots. Oh yeah. I remember reading about that. So like, you know, they, they observed like, um, hip hop artists doing like, uh, rap battles, you know, that same thing, that's a flow state exercise. And they looked at that and they saw that that part of the brain that does critical thinking was just off. And it's almost like there's this other 
person, this other energy, this other entity showing up and it's coming through you. Flow to me is also a deeply, deeply creative and arguably spiritual experience. When we experience flow, we feel like we're finally ourselves. There's this knowing that this is where we belong. And we keep asking ourselves, ooh, how do I get back to that? How do I get more of that? Then you become like a flow junkie. (laughs) (laughs) So that was super helpful. And here I want to set this is I want to set the stage because my listeners have heard about my five principles. I talked to them about them on your show and Pat and my partner and I have really dove into it. What was interesting, it, honestly, Armand, is uh, before I created the five, there was six. And the first oh. one had to do with flow. And it was like, when I do this presentation, I could be like, people are like, what in the hell is he talking about? Mm. So they, I actually eliminated it out of it. But like, I'll, I want to explain my thoughts on this. And I want to hear yeah. your feedback on it. Because I believe, given the context that you just set perfectly, is that as a business owner, the reason that there's like people have problems with exiting and they're so miserable afterwards, or they just, or they want to get out because they're no longer in it is that this business, like a business as a mechanism or an organism can, can help create this world of flow almost better than anything else out in life besides maybe a sports sports situation for an athlete right. because yeah, especially if you're an entrepreneur yeah and i think the reason and and there's a lot of other creative ways that artists could be but i'm thinking about specifically for entrepreneurs because you have challenges so if it's two percent more you're always as an entrepreneur you can kind of wake up and do what you want every day right so you end up going into places that create this feeling right so you're going into places that you like mm-hmm. and that you can grow incrementally you t- you tend to avoid shit you don't like which is a big problem when you're trying to build a machine that's worth a lot of money but you know mm-hmm. if you're if you're neglecting things or not hiring away those things so you're growing in the areas that provide a little bit of challenge the feedback mechanisms are insane like the dopamine mm-hmm. that you get from the balance sheet winning customers winning the revenue getting the sale opening up products or locations or what, whatever it is you're just constantly getting feedback on how well you're big doing time. And it becomes this derivative of your identity. Like everything around you is like this result of who you are. And so like when I think about like the people that I've interviewed that have netted insane amounts of money and are upset, it's because they literally like fired half their life or their identity. Mm. If they haven't articulated and become intentional about what creates that feeling, it's Mm. They've, it's almost like an addict that doesn't know they're an addict. And then they're all mm. of a sudden they're going through withdrawal and you can't go back. You know, an addict can actually pick up the bottle or pick up the drug or whatever it is. But once you sell your company, you can't unless you recreate this situation outside of it. And right. I, I truly believe that this topic is one of the most important unspoken about issues. Why the boomer generation or a lot of entrepreneurs will not even talk about how to grow a business that's sellable because it's like telling you that you're going to sell your identity. Mm. Even though building a valuable business is one of the most freeing things you could do to create more flow and not have to sell your business. So like I said a lot there, but I, I don't know if, what your thoughts are about being an entrepreneur and creating this situation. To, yeah, and avoiding or or identifying how to avoid the new. Situation. No, man, I'm I'm really glad you're bringing it up, and I definitely have a personal experience here in it. And I, I will say this to start: it's like it is a challenge worth tackling and making an everyday focus to be intentional with this exact thing that you just described. But my point is, it's it's a challenge. It's really hard because it's so easy to get lost in your business. So do I agree that a business is the ultimate medium for experiencing flow on a daily basis? Fuck yes, absolutely. It really is. The high, there's nothing like it. You can lose yourself and you can set this business up to literally feel like the exact environment that allows you to do all of the things that only you do best where it's timeless. So you're waking up every day yeah, totally. and it's just like, 
you don't care if you put in 14, 15 hours. And these are, by the way, the people that seem to have a sense of unlimited energy. And, and this is maybe making it a little bit overly simplified, but one awesome measure is just, is this energy producing or not? Is this taking energy or giving energy? When you find yourself in an activity where you can seemingly do it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on end, there's something happening there. I was listening just last night to something that blew my mind. I'll share an example. I was listening to Hugh Jackman talk to Tim Ferriss. And I've always been fascinated by that dude. So I listened and he got really emotional talking about telling his kids, don't settle. Find that thing that truly puts you into a state where you feel like this is the one thing that you were brought here on earth to do. Now, you know, he puts a religious spin on things. Some people are religious, some people aren't. It doesn't matter. We all have to have a form of meaning in our lives. And a business is a beautiful way to exercise that, that meaning. And if you can set it up in a way where the activities that you're performing on a daily basis bring out the best in you and are super meaningful and make an impact on others, and you just feel absolutely high, I don't think there's anything better than that. Now, here's where the challenge comes in. I think the I think the, the benefits are very clear. Here's the challenge. Business is very challenging. The needs and pressures are constantly fluctuating. One of the hardest experiences in my life was building my company Project Evo from the ground up, everything from a Kickstarter launch to setting up e-commerce and just stepping into an arena that I'd never been in before. I built an app, set up subscription, you know, tried to figure out SaaS, you know, a lot of different things. And it was super, super challenging, but very enjoyable. Now here's where things went wrong. And here's my like cautionary tale for people. And to answer that, that question of how do we address it so that we don't wake up one day and go, how the fuck did I get here? Get me out. Okay. Yes. And again, it's hard. So if you're getting into flow, you have to be able to measure something like this without some form of accountability and measurement. And again, you could do this just through a really simple process of self-awareness, like by journaling. When you wake up in the morning, I do something called morning pages. I learned from Julia Cameron in a book called The Artist's Way. It's all about creativity. Not really business related, but it kind of is because a lot of business, I think business is creative. It's a creative enterprise. So I do morning journaling. That self-awareness moment, like what am I looking forward to? What am I not looking forward to? What is starting to consume me? You know, that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is like straight up, you know, quantitative data. Like some people are nerds about this stuff. They sit down and they look at their business and they look at their life categories and they go, well, let me see if I'm aligned. And there are tools for this. I swear to God, you can probably Google right now. Am I aligned? Am I living my purpose? And you'll find some like free... <laughs> Three million hits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You'll find some free PDF that you can fill out every day to score yourself to create that self-awareness. It's the same thing. All of it is there to just provide a level of self-awareness. Am I on the right track? Because here's the thing about flow. What it's all about is supreme presence. In order to create that presence, you have to be doing an activity that gets you into flow, right? But there's another aspect to it. It's not just about the present. It's also about the aim. It's about the future. When our life has meaning, we feel like we're moving towards something that is meaningful and has a purpose toward it. And that North Star can change. It can, it can move. It's okay for it to move. But as long as you're staying true to it and you're in the driver's seat, then you can continue to experience flow every single day. The moment that you find yourself in the passenger seat and the problems of the business uh, are outweighing your individual desires or your individual requirements to stay in flow, you start losing and you'll start to feel miserable and you'll start to feel like, but I have to. And then you become, a tra you become trapped. So what happened to me is I became trapped in a role called chief executive officer. Which meant do everything. And if you can hire a person to do it, great. If you can't, you know, whatever. And then here's where flow is personalized and our and we need to understand ourselves and why assessments and personality type is so important. You have to understand who you are. If you understand who you are, you can watch out for the the 
the, the areas where you might be susceptible. So like one area that I'm susceptible, and I know this because of my assessment, the ego elements assessment, that I'm a relational architect. And as an architect brain type, I'm always going to be the one that takes responsibility for things. I'm very dependable. I work the hardest in the room. And I'm probably going to be the workaholic in the room. But guess what? Everything that everyone else doesn't do is going to fall onto my lap and my pile of stuff keeps getting bigger. And that's my job to set proper fucking boundaries. But because I don't know how, and I have this brain type that I was, you know, I've developed a character. I've developed a personality. It started at a young age. That's me. By being aware of it, I can set proper boundaries. But when you're not aware of these things and who you are, all of a sudden you find yourself trapped. But then you also have the opposite side of that coin. Well, what are my strengths? What are my superpowers? And what should I be spending my time doing? So all of these things in combination, by the way, that's why I created an assessment so that I could understand how to get into flow, who I am, and watch out for the areas of my life that I know I'm going to be challenged. Well, I was going to say, this is so gold and so much gold because like, when I think about the crazy dynamics of how people truly experience these problems is like you to build a valuable business you have to be aware of all of these things and you have to uh, mm. actually go into places that don't create your flow right so as an artist you have to go into places that are not enjoyable sales people that are you know the sales entrepreneur have to get into finance and ops someone that's an engineer has to get into sales and like yes. all these different areas of like how to build this in that i think what you found what you said was really interesting is because the moment you wake up like here's what I, and I'm, I'm seeing if you might do a better way of articulating this, Armand, is that you're on this high and you're doing this to the point where you wake up and that noose happens like this, right? Mm. So when that happens, it's because the business is suffering in all these other areas that the cash and the actual financial stability and the health of the business becomes a problem or it's mm. not sellable or transferable because you focus on so much of this other thing. So that, that awareness of, I want the F out now, but then the me mechanically it's too late. And however, to find someone that is in flow and essentially the addict or the, the, the flow junkie and mm -hmm. say, Hey, by the way, you need to be self-aware and you need to work on things that are not as enjoyable to create a more valuable company so that you can actually go back and always be in flow and mm. never have the risk of losing it. Does that make sense? It's like it, found, that right there has been my six year marketing problem because <laughs> it's mm. impossible to get through. Cause people are like, I'm loving this dude. I'm just loving this. I'm growing, mm. I'm growing, growing, growing. And then they wake up and they're like, I want out. And I'm like, well, you sacrificed all these things for 10 years and you because you only lived in the places you loved. And then you woke up and you said, I want out. But then the, the house only has awesome countertops and it's got mold in the, in the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. So then, so then that's, I mean, this is where you are the expert, man. It's like, this is where I'm learning. It's like, so are you saying that in, in, in some sense, we have to put a percentage of our efforts on things that we need to build some sort of core competency in, or we just need to make sure they're, they're properly set up so that we build a thriving business so that we can then take back our time in the future. And I guess my question and thought about this is, and what I've gone through is, how do you prevent yourself from getting stuck in those things that you didn't sign up for? That, that's the challenge that I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through. It's like, if you tell me like, I need to do that stuff, Sure, I'll do it. But my, in my experience, what happened was, let's say I wanted to spend 80% of my time, ideally, like that's an aim, doing things that I uniquely do best. Mm -hmm. And like that should be something every person in the company, like everyone should be doing the thing that they uniquely do best, at least as much as they possibly can. But then all of a sudden, it was flipped. It was like 90% shit that I didn't want to do or shouldn't be doing. <laughs> and then trying to have the self-awareness to go, to go back toward, oh, you know, I, I need to be spending my time here. And it's always in the back of the mind. It's like, this is where I should be spending my time. This is where I should be spending my time trying to optimize for that, but it's easy to get lost. Yeah, man. I think, you know, and this is where it's funny. Cause I, I, I want to make sure I continue to go back to that thought is I love like the things that we're talking about more than, and this is where my whole life has. And then I learned the mechanics 
so mm. that I could stay here. Right. And what I found is that, so when I, when I said, I give that little, uh, foundational point because I'm going to go into a little bit of a technical nature, which I never was part. I was never technical or financial nature. I just found I had to, so I could continue to talk about Mm -hmm. is that you say, okay, well, that's fine. If you like, I mean, if you enjoy one part of the business or like, cause there are engineers who will literally engineer their way into the red because they don't know how to sell. Mm -hmm. And I've seen 10 million dollar businesses that do that, right? They just continue developing new products and yes. they don't know how to sell and then they go out of business or a salesperson who knows how to sell, sell, sell. They don't have any good financials. They have no good operations or anything like that. And they sell themselves into the red as well. And so like, I think mm. in order to like truly create the freedom to be who you want to be in flow in the day-to-day role, which again is the difference between ownership and management. If your role, mm. if you want to be the relationship architect and the big big partnership strategic person, there's a payroll that's associated with that. You need to hire out the other things. And what I've seen too many people get into the problem of is the owner grows this business and they're solving for annual income. So they're solving for this year's distributions. And they're Mm. going, no effing way I'm going to hire this person because I want my boat or cab or car instead of saying, hey, I'm good with my $125,000 salary or whatever they're giving themselves. I'm going to reinvest those distributions to get that out because I'm growing a more valuable business. And it's that, like you, you and I talked about yesterday, of like having the short and the long-term kind of imbalance. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I guess the point is like so much of it is immediate gratification because of flow. And you, then you say, I like, you just said it, like I'm asking you to sacrifice certain things, whether right. it's money to hire those things out and keep your boundaries and awareness of that so that way you can actually continue to live in that once the company thrives. Mm-hmm. So many people go straight mm-hmm. to the flow and straight to the money and then it's just like, vunk, and they're just done. Yeah. Yeah. And then the moment they realize they're like, hey, I'm spending 90% of my time on shit I hate. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you can't transfer whatever this mess is that you've created. I mean, right. yeah, you've got a you know solid salary and distributions, but like who else wants that chaos? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, just basic foundational things like learning that a lot of people I think get this wrong where they talk about working on the business, not in it. That's just a classic thing that we hear in the business and entrepreneurship world, right? It's like being being the owner, working on the business, not being in the weeds as much as possible, playing in your area of strength. But I think one thing that I embraced and I don't regret at all, was, well, that's not an overnight thing. Like if you want to work, if you want to achieve and and get to the point where you can work on the business and be a little bit more high level on the macro scale, you have to go in the business hard. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, and I embraced the hell out of that. Like I went deep into everything. I mean, customer service, tech and development, e-commerce, Amazon, fulfillment, sourcing, manufacturing, developing a core competency in everything. And everyone's different. Some people don't want to get their hands dirty and they're like, no, 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 I'll just hire for that. I, maybe this is like a thing of just wanting to have all stars as well. I don't like hiring someone who I'm not absolutely sure knows way more than me and is at the top of their game. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I love to do is go into something, learn it, knowing that I can learn it faster than most people and then come in and try to hire someone for that role. Like, all right, you're going to be our uh, Amazon account manager. And then getting on a couple interviews and seeing if they really know their shit after me having spent a month or two in it. That makes me feel good and secure about building a stable company that each person we're bringing in is like an absolute all-star and A player. Because another mistake I made in the beginning was we were growing fast and it was moving fast. And we were like, whoa, my God, we, we need help. So I just went to my network, was like, oh, I had this guy that was interning for me. I had this other guy that, you know, reached out, was like, I'd love to help you. And, you know, I take a job or whatever. I was like, okay, great. We need all the help we can get. But then those people get locked in and they're part of the vision now. And all of a sudden you find that they're creating bottlenecks and they're making mistakes. I mean, some of the mistakes that we had happen in our company were like $50,000, $100,000 mistakes in the first year. That was like, oh, like I was losing my mind. I mean, literally in one day, you know, mislabeling of a product coming from China 
that cost us, you know, $75,000 to, to relabel resticker when it arrived to us or something like that. And now one of them, another one was like an international shipping mistake or whatever for our e-commerce product. But these were all due to the result of not having hired a players. Then what happened with me is I went, Oh shit, hired the wrong people. I've got to go in and clean up this mess and take over these roles. So then all of a sudden I found myself in way too many roles again, taking on too many things with that thing in the back of my mind of like, well, what do I really do best? What really gets me into flow? I have that in my sights and I'm going to make sure I work toward that again. So I'm going to make sure I'm constantly self-aware that every single day, at least 1%, I'm moving from 90% or 80% being things I don't enjoy back to the 80% where it's my superpower. And that's that's just, that's it. That's the self-awareness. So I think in order to prevent that day where we wake up, if we're recognizing that we're moving in the wrong direction, then we need to self-correct. The moment we sense it, you know? You nailed it. So there's a couple things there that I'm I'm curious on actionable ways of like how... You you live this because you created a business around being self-aware. <laughs> and we're on here because we're both like flow junkies and the psychology junkies of this. For someone that's listening, hopefully they're going, okay, I'm starting to get it. Or I'm like, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. How do you become self-aware? Right? Like, like what are the ways? I mean, I know you got the PDF, the, the example, you, you know, you also, it was like, great. It was like, yeah, if you Google this, there's ways. But like, when you think about someone that's just starting on this concept and saying, okay, like I... I do probably find myself only playing in the places that I like to, the things that I'm probably good at and the yeah. things that I enjoy. How do you start to become aware of it? And then, so what are the, what's the process of becoming aware? And then also Armand is like, how do you as an individual and an entrepreneur make sure that you're setting yourself to, con- to, to engineer this landscape where you can constantly have that, whether you have the business or not? And I think recreating that scenario of all these examples without a business is tenfold more complicated because you don't have this sandbox to do this. And right, right. Okay. So I love the self-awareness question. I think that <laughs> I, I think that it's honestly one of the most important things in life. I mean, no joke. Uh, I mean, it goes back thousands of years, you know. Uh, the unexamined life is not worth living, if that was actually something that you know, Aristotle said. So um, here, here's the deal. There are some, I think, basic pragmatic ways that a person can become self-aware. And the purpose of it, just so that we have like a why behind it, is that a life where we are aware of our strengths and our weaknesses is a life where we can adapt ourselves to the environment in a way that sets us up to just feel better. Like this is about feeling good. This is about fulfillment and the elusive happiness even, which I think is the most important thing to be optimizing for. Like, that's it. Like, yes, the business is cool. Yes, the money's cool. Yes, uh, flow is even cool. But like, what are we really after? Feeling good. Like, let's really get it simple. So if you have higher emotional intelligence and higher self-awareness and you know who you are and you know how to spend your time so that you can feel good, you're going to feel better. So that's important to start with. The first thing, I I wrote this down a long time ago. I just pulled this up. It was like, when I was really starting my process of self-awareness, there were three questions I asked myself. I asked myself, but then actually what I I recommend is you go to, it's a simple exercise. Pick like five people, maybe seven even, you know, as many as you like that are close to you, that are people that you, whose opinions that you respect, but of varying degrees of closeness. So one might be like your brother who's really close to you. And another level might be a coworker and another level might be like a friend of a friend that you've interacted with a few times, but comfortable enough to have a safe conversation with. And you're going to go to them and you're going to say something, and this is going to feel awkward for a lot of people, but you're going to say, Hey, look, I, you know, you might just be in conversation, of course, like do that in a way that makes sense, but you want to ask them three questions and you want to tell them that you want to preface that their answer is not going to offend you, especially in the date that we're recording this 2020 where everyone is fucking offended by everything, you want to be really clear that you want this information for your benefit and that it's not going to offend you, okay? (laughs) It's ridiculous that we have to preface these things, but it is what it is. But the reason is, is you want their honest answer. So question number one is, what is something I do better than most people? That's it. You want to start to see a pattern. This is all about pattern recognition. What is the pattern? Like if you can start to identify a superpower in your life, man, that's power. 
So you're looking for the thing that if you were to double down on and invest, you could become superhuman at. And you're looking for the thing that you uniquely do best, meaning you might be a great CEO, but like a lot of people could do that. Maybe you do need to hire someone to come in and do that. And what you uniquely do best is uh, speaking on stage, you know? Such a good, it, it is, because I think what, just to, to take a pause on the, on this situation or this topic is like, you said that you're the job of CEO. And I think there's a lot of preconceived notions of what that job of CEO is, Right. Like, and that's different. What you just identified then is being a speaker or someone that's an inventor or someone that's like, you need, I like how, I like how you said relationship architect earlier. Like mm-hmm. each of those things are different than managing a PL and making sure things are driving forward for the bottom line. Right. I mean, that's a, like, it's a, it, those are different than just the role of a CEO. Big time. It's like, uh, I don't know, like Elon Musk isn't trying to be a charismatic uh, leader. He's not a Jack Welch. <laughs> Are you sure? You know, he's not. I, I mean, he, he, he mumbles in himself across stage and he's not the most charismatic speaker, but what he is is an absolutely brilliant engineer, you know? So he knows where to spend his time. He knows that he can create world-class products and work with brilliant people and attract great people. And he's good enough at speaking that he knows how to create curiosity in the marketplace about what's coming and play the game really well so that people get excited about what he's building. So again, it's like, it takes time to master this, but there's a question also that's related to this question that is a driving force in my life that I'll share. It's a question by Alan Watts, who's a famous philosopher. Is this question number two or is this? No, this okay. is just a sidebar on okay. question number one is what would I do if money were no object? Oftentimes what you would do if money were no object is related to the thing that you uniquely do best that is your superpower. So it's, it's, a, it's a question definitely worth mulling over. Question number two is, what is a habit that I may not be aware of? This is where it gets like, oh, I'm Ooh, happy boy. telling you what you do best, but like, are you sure you want me to tell you that you bite your nails, that you speak over people, that you don't listen well? that you are too soft, that you don't have good boundaries. Like, I want to know. Do you want to know? I want to know. I want to know what people see. Because look, it's like hiring a coach. It's that simple. And if you ask seven people this question, oh boy, <laughs> you can find some, some good stuff. I mean, you said, how can I become self-aware? I'm it's sure, like, I'm sure there'd be, you could find more than five to seven that would answer that second question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And if you create a safe environment for them to answer it where you're not going to be offended, it's it's awesome. So this is, it can be positive. It doesn't have to be negative. You're not basically telling them it's a bad habit. You just want to see, are you aware of it? And chances are you're very aware of it. Most of the time we know ourselves better than anybody else does, right? We know our habits, but it helps to hear somebody else say it. And um you know, we can then decide, is this useful or not? And what it does is it's also a, you know, push on the self-awareness meter. It's like, okay, there I go. You'll be aware that you're doing it. Yeah. And then finally, question number three is, how would you describe me to a friend of yours? The reason I like to ask that question is because it's a nice pat on the back sometimes. Sometimes we just don't see ourselves accurately. We often don't. You might've come across like, viral videos and things like that, or, you know, where you see people like, you know, I don't know, I saw one Jay Shetty did one time or something. It was like people just hating on themselves and just being so negative. And then he's sitting and talking to the sister. What do you think about your sister or a friend? And it's like, they think they're the most unbelievable person. They're so, so beautiful, so smart. So this, so that we just don't see ourselves accurately. It's important to, especially entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, you're probably really self-critical. And so it's important to have a proper sense of identity. And it's a really huge uh, cognitive hack, actually, because you might have heard about like kind of loose things like, you know, you want to have like a vision of yourself and you want to manifest things. I'm not big on that stuff. What I'm big on is like identity. Because when we have a clear version of our identity, we will meet it. We will show up to be that person. 
But if our identity is that like, I'm, I'm just average or I'm not good looking or I'm not very smart, or I'm not very good at making deals. Like that's, that's just the way we're going to show up. That, that, those are just three very basic questions. The other thing I would do is I have a free quiz. Like I have to mention, it's just so valuable. The brain type assessment, brain type assessment has been taken by close to a million people. It'll give you your brain type. This is all around self-awareness and how you uniquely think and how you see the world. That's what it's going to show you. And we just gave that away. And there happens to be a planner, like I mentioned, the e-commerce business that I run that supplements it. But all you really need to start is this awareness of your brain type. There's four brain types, the alchemist, the oracle, the architect, and the explorer. And knowing that and understanding is my core nature, internal or external, am I abstract or concrete? How do I engage with people? What are my weaknesses? It just gives you all this self-awareness. So super, super powerful. It's helped a lot of people, a lot of people. And uh, just Google brain type assessment and put the uh, link project. In the, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes. And I think why this is so important, Armand, is that the doing this while someone has a business, has the employees, has the customers, has the cash flow, and saying it, it, going through those questions in the safe space is like you do not have to. I'm trying to think of how to put this. Um, is it is not totally integrated into the role of CEO, right? Like, I mean, we have these roles. There's the, the the CFO, the COO, the VP of sales, and then you've got the CEO and then the owner. And like you, mm-hmm. you, you just described things of like as a business, as an as an entrepreneur who is the owner, like where do you want to spend your time that gives you the flow? And it may or may not be one of those roles. Right. And it's okay. That's the thing that I want make like it's okay, and it should be okay with all your employees and all the different people that are around you. Where and it's okay to hire away from that. And I don't know if you've got any experience, uh, and if you don't, it's okay. Is like you know, I see so many problems with the entrepreneur trying to replace themselves because they're trying to replace these characteristics when mm-hmm. truly you just need a CEO, right? Like right. they don't have to be the relationship architect. It's like no, you just need. Someone that's going to drive the books, keep the do the the mechanical things, and also yeah. be a good person, have a good culture, but they don't have to be uniquely you that you're replacing. And I think a lot of people yes. have a preconceived notion that that's what they're trying to look for, and you're never going to find someone like that. I'm I'm doing it right now. So I am literally right now looking at like a bunch of different deals and and working on bringing in or hiring or bringing in or partnering with someone who can come in and be the CEO and handle the majority of operations and allow me to do what I do best. And I always have known in the back of my mind, what I do best is this is part of it. Like going out and connecting and educating and talking about these topics that matter, that can actually make a difference in people's lives. Um, I want to build, I want to be an evangelist for the ideas, right? Not necessarily the, the daily operator. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an integrator. I'm a visionary. Like that's another simple quiz people can do. My think was like 97. If I remember how that one works correctly, it was like 97% visionary. And like the integrator though, it was interesting. It was still like in the, uh, so to, so to give an example of like how we get trapped, it was still like 70, mm-hmm. but it was like 97 visionary, but like 70 integrator. Why? Because I have certain skill sets that allow me to be a pseudo integrator. <laughs> you so it's easy for me to get trapped. Like, you know, you put a spreadsheet in front of me. I'm like, fuck. You you give me a, a inventory analysis. I'm like, ah, oh, but can I do it? Yeah, I can put my mind to things and do it. And I have that architect brain type that is very linear and organized. Ooh. So I'm not kind of I'm not a scattered guy. I'm not abstract. I'm like pretty concrete, pragmatic guy. And so if you put something concrete in front of me, I'm going to be like, all right, let's figure it out. Let's organize this. So it's easy for me to be an integrator, but I'm going to feel very challenged. Um, but uh, absolutely, man. So just to just to wrap that point is like I am working on that because I know that it's interesting. This question of the what do you uniquely do best? You want to know what people have been telling me lately? Mm. Unsolicited. <laughs> so they've been listening to my podcast. 
or being my guest on my podcast or various things like that, or even before my podcast, there it's funny things. People, people have been telling me that I have a nice voice. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't do anything there. <laughs> so that was for years before I ever started a podcast. <laughs> I would get like women, especially my wife knows this. Don't worry. They, they would tell me like, uh, uh, can you like read me a bedtime story? <laughs> no, your voice is so soothing. <laughs> it's like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I don't even yeah. know what to do with that. I, uh, I, mean, I would, I would second that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Call me up, bro. Yeah. Call me up. So, so, but I've known like a driving force inside me is like I love people. I want to connect with people. I want to learn from people. I've always wanted to do a podcast. I've thought about it for eight years. I finally did it a month ago, Flow with Armand Asadi. And I'm getting all these people being like, you are very unique in the way you get people to open up in the conversations you've had, especially some of the conversations I've had with like psychologists and uh, people who've been through trauma and stuff, cancer. I had one the other day getting them to open up and talk about how they find flow, man, they're like, that's just, it's your superpower, man. And I've heard like over the last few weeks, like superpower, superpower, and unsolicited. I'm like, okay, like there's something there. So obviously I need to, I enjoy it. It gets me into flow and I'm getting feedback and external recognition as well. Not that I do it for that at all, because the only reason I do it is for me. I think that's very important. And, um, I'm, I've recognized that I need to shift into that and that I can also be an evangelist for Project Evo going out, whether that be stage or talking or connecting or whatever, because that other part of my uh, personality, by the way, so brain type, architect, alchemist, all that stuff, that's one piece of your personality. It's not your personality. It's just how you see the world and how you organize information in your brain. So it really helps you with productivity and mm -hmm. finding focus and flow on a daily basis. But my full personality type in our elements assessment, business owners would love this. Uh, we have a full personality assessment where you get like a 25 to 30 page thing, super, super detailed and broken down. I'm a relational architect. So it gives you the other piece of it. Are you a determined, you know, architect? Are you a strategic alchemist? It gives you the whole spectrum of who you really are. When you combine that and when you start to step into that, that for me has been truly life-changing because what I'm doing is I'm shifting to align with my true nature mm -hmm. and what gets me into flow and what makes me feel aligned. And I have found, by the way, just to get into mental health for a second, when we're not aligned with our personality and our business is no longer a reflection of our personality and it's something that we didn't, it's just not us anymore, depression, anxiety, stress, which is like a precursor to that, all hits. And when that starts to hit and take over, man, it's hard to get out of. It's hard to get out of. Which is why people then try and pull the ripcord. Yes. When they, when they, it, and I think it's so crucial to identify this because I, I think this is, and there might be an argument to our, you know, integrate some of your stuff into our first principle <laughs> is, uh, you know, to identify, should you keep your company? Should you, should you gravitate towards one sort of transition or, you know, whether you're keeping the company as a chairman or you become the, the, just the spokesperson or chief culture officer, you do an ESOP internal transition because you don't want to sell to a third party that does something different with your baby, or you hate it so much that that might drive you towards a different option. I just think that you just identify this. And even if you identify that you should exit it at some point to a third party, like how do you recreate that without the infrastructure of the business, right? And without taking all the insane risk. If you take some chips off the table, don't don't do it with as much risk. You know what I mean? Like do it in a way where, like you said, the, the money's less of an object. So you can hopefully engineer that outcome, whether it's leadership, creativity, or whether it's speaking mm. or I, I, all those different things you can do without a business, or you can do it with your business. It should just steer some of the direction. And I think being aware of that and then being aware of the finances, like what you and I talked about yesterday, you can align both of those things. Mm -hmm. And once you become aware of it, it's going to take time to, to fully optimize the choices and the freedom, but you have to be aware of both of those. Cause so many people, I mean, I mean, you've probably seen it like, Oh, it's all about the money. I mean, you and I talked about VC uh, and the, and the startup world on your show a little bit. And like, 
It's just all about that delayed gratification for the exit. And it's just misery, money, misery. It's like, oh, that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Not to say that's always the case, but like, yeah. it's, uh, it, it, I, I just think being aware. Well, their of- model is to, to ensure you run out of your runway and need more money. <laughs> It is. Uh, They want you to raise more, raise more, raise more, raise more in hopes that you are the 1%.01% moonshot that gets to the point where, and then that's the problem with these companies too, man. It's like, they're not businesses. They're not generating cash flow. Yeah. Well, and I think about even like in a private equity purchase or a strategic purchase, they're buying a business because the owners neglected other parts of their business because they were only focused on their flow. So they're going to come in there with a more holistic view saying, mm-hmm. Hey, here's what we're going to do to it. So I just think about being aware of what you're talking about and the financial is first, first and second principle allows you to do the rest. And there's a reason there's an order and you have to identify yourself first because <laughs> yeah, otherwise man. you might be solving for the wrong things. Well, that's what you said to me on the chairlift that made me go, Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> There's a guy talking about intention and knowing who you are and making sure that you don't wake up in five years being like, how did I get here? Why aren't people talking about this? Dude. Thank God you are. We are. We're, that's why we're yeah. here. As we're wrapping up here, so why don't you give one question before you jump into your contact information where they can find you. What is your definition of intentional? Truth. That's what feels right right now. I think I like that. that we have to go inward and we have to know what our truth is. Everybody has a different truth. Knowing your truth starts with self-awareness, starts with that inner game. Find that truth that rings so strong, you know, and is like unavoidable. Like, And then set an intention around that. That's what it means to me. I love it. I'm going to have to just take parts of that <laughs> for my own truth. Um, what is the best way to get in touch with you? I know we'll put all the links in there and yeah, yeah. resources available for us too. I So the best way to get in touch with me, uh, Instagram, Armon Asadi, at Armon Asadi. Um, I'm actually, so I do text. I think that's probably the most direct way to get in touch with me. 619-825. 2595. You can text me directly, chat. Let me know what you thought of the episode. I love connecting with people. I really do. And then I got a brand new badass website that I'm super pumped about, armanasadi.com. Everything else is there. Is your podcast there? Yeah. And then we got the assessment. Yeah. So obviously the best, you know, you want my content, you want to listen to the podcast, it's Flow with Armanasadi. It's on the website. It's everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the ones we've never heard of. It's all there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, this has been just a blast. I'm, I'm super happy you came on the show. I'm super happy, man. Thanks for having me, dude. This was awesome. Thanks for tuning in. You can tell that I absolutely love the state of flow and how to be aware of it, how to engineer your ideal life. I think that if you're intentional, you understand what you want, you can go get it, but you have to understand it first. If you want to do a little bit of work to trying to figure out what you want and why, go to the Arcona.io website, take the 20-question assessment to see if you're intentionally growing in the right direction that'll help you engineer your ideal life and that you understand all your options and how to grow value. Check out the Intentional Growth Digital Course, which is a deep dive that helps you learn all these things so that you can be intentional. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you next week.